Well, welcome back to another podcast with me, Rich Martin, and I'm so grateful that you're with us today. And today is with a friend of mine, Adam Graver. And Adam is one of these people who I've bumped into in the world that I'm involved with. My kind of nine to five job is to connect people through technology to the Bible and I help a startup app. And that's how I bumped into Adam, who I speak to today. And one of the things I love to do is I, I kind of geek out when it comes to the digital side of the gospel, the digital side to God's kingdom. And it fascinates me. And Adam is one of the kind of top people that I've ever bumped into on this. He has a theology brain and a doctrine type of way of looking at things. And he's managed to merge all that with his also great insight into technology. And so heads up, this is a deep dive into the technological world. It might not be your thing, so you're more than welcome just to skip to a different one. But if you're into the digital stuff, he has some really, really interesting stuff to say. And he's a great, great wealth of knowledge. And so let's jump straight into Adam Graber. So it's so good. Adam Graber. Um, is with me here and I've known Adam for a number of months now and connected through um, the digital world which is what we're doing this on as well and uh, <laughs> I Adam was going to do a whole introduction piece and then I just read your website so I actually just want to read what you put on your website because I think it okay. gives people a much <laughs> much better indication of who you are and so it says Adam Grabber co-hosts the device and virtue podcast is a consultant with leadership network and faith tech and a coach at Wheaton college center for faith and innovation. Adam researches and writes on emerging technologies and consults with Christian leaders on digital spiritual formation. He's developed tech courses for Northern seminary and fuller seminary. He speaks regularly on everything from metaverse to evangelism chatbots. He has written for Christianity today, the bulwark relevant, Christ and pop culture and others. He has a master's in digital theology from Durham University, previously worked in Bible publishing and still gets Netflix DVDs by mail. <laughs> I didn't anyway, even know they did that. So that, that's so they good. St they still do it, man. I'm grandfathered in at uh, $5 a month. And man, I will, I'll ride that thing till it's dead. I think. I mean, two <laughs> things out of that one, you must be one, you must be on the board at the Netflix head office as Adam Grabber, <laughs> like he's our outlier. And number two, you still have a DVD player, which I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fantastic. The reason is that I know if I had a streaming service, I would just sit down and flip through every night and I could not get anything else done. And so I need to have some sort of uh, boundary and making it a little bit harder to watch uh, DVDs means that I spend my time doing other things that I, I think I truly care oh, about more. Such a good idea. Such a good idea. <laughs> but thanks so much for coming on there, Adam. That is the introduction on your website. Can you give us a little whistle-stop tour of how you've essentially taken your passion for theology and wired it into the digital space? And then we're going to unpack of how does how can this help people? How can it help church yeah. leaders? You know, and, and I love reading what you've wrote i love chatting to you on different topics you have this incredible depth of biblical Thank understanding you. and knowledge and you have this insane knowledge also of the digital space and the fact that you've combined the two is pretty rare and so yeah can you give us a little whistle stop tour yeah thanks rich uh i'm so grateful to be here on the podcast um yeah you know i started my career in book publishing i was working on bibles primarily, uh, and got to edit, you know, Bibles that had additional content in them. Um, but yeah, I mean, through that process of, um, 
lots dealing with language a lot and and dealing with you know this old old technology of books uh and just the process experiencing the process of um becoming an editor and doing all this uh work i just realized how much our jobs are formative for us they they focus our minds and our attention on things where we get really specialized and we become ex experts in that one thing and it is this spiritually formative thing mm. and uh and somehow uh through reading a book which feels appropriate uh i read a book called uh the hidden power of electronic culture and that just sparked my imagination this wow. was like 10 years ago and it kind of yeah it changed the trajectory for me and i was like man i'm so fascinated in how uh technology is shaping our spiritual lives and so i kind of just went down that path kind of as a hobby for about uh eight or ten years um and then you know i just kept reading kept reading uh but then finally yeah durham university pete phillips at durham university started this program uh in digital theology and as soon as i heard about it i knew that was for me i actually had a trip planned to durham uh prior to hearing about this wow. uh, i had a cousin that was working at durham and so i i said hey when i'm there can i interview for this program in digital theology and they're like yeah let's make it happen so uh, you know, God really started lining up these uh, opportunities, opening doors. And uh, yeah, Pete said yes. So I, I was part of the first cohort that went through the program, wow. uh, got this fantastic taste of the UK, um, and just experienced life across the pond. Um, and saw, you know, got to got to look back at, at you know, my space in the US, from a different vantage point and see, uh, yeah, see just even the relationship between the church and um, the government uh, is different in the UK than it is in the US. And to see both the advantages and disadvantages of the way that the US is structured. Um, and, and so, yeah, lots of things like that. But, you know, the, after I, so I finished my uh, degree at Durham in, January 2020. Yeah. And two two months later, the pandemic starts and suddenly digital theology feels really relevant. <laughs> God's and timing, you might yeah, say, Adam. Absolutely. God's timing. I did I, I went into the program not knowing what am I going to do with a digital theology degree and came out and um, you know, live streaming and just the way that digital has sort of permeated our lives. Uh it became very relevant very fast. Wow. Uh and and very uh, prominent in people's minds. So um, at that point, I, I left the uh, publisher that I was working for and started working with Faith Tech um, and was with them for two years, uh, bridging that gap between faith and technology. Um, and yeah, doing a lot of work with them. And then, yeah, hosting a podcast, Device and Virtue, with a buddy of mine, Chris, who's also sort of interested in these things. We met on the internet uh, way back when. And eventually that became an in-person friendship and we just kept arguing about technology. So we decided, Hey, let's, let's subject other people to our arguments. <laughs> uh, and, and so, yeah, we've been doing that for a couple of years. And so, yeah, 
my life is just kind of permeated with uh, digital and faith and trying to figure out how do these things kind of relate together. Uh, we sort of intuitively know that they do, but we are still trying to figure out how. Right. And so that's what I'm trying to do. And you're a gift. You're an absolute gift, mate. And uh, thank God that he brought you over to Durham and that you could see this wonderful nation that we live in here in England. And Absolutely. Oh, man, it was beautiful. Experience. You had fish and chips, right? You did experience. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely yeah. did. Yeah. <laughs> um let me ask this question then adam which i know is like a passion question for yours which might open up i think it'll relate to a lot of people that are listening but the question is how is digital technology discipling me your insights and knowledge into that how is it discipling us we all have these devices we've all got various apps going on you know obviously i work for glorify i love 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 the world i'm in there yeah, i'm really aware i'm really aware of this world inside out but yeah. but how how are they discipling us? Because you know if you're working walk into the church world, that it's not that there's two camps, but that, you know when people don't understand stuff, they just go with one or one or the other camp, or when they understand it, they go the other way. Yeah, but it yeah. kind of like you know you're getting pastors at the moment saying, well, nothing will replace in person. Totally agree. Um, <laughs> but you know it's the kind of like stance of I don't know what it is, so I won't touch it. We just got to go for the kind yeah. of USP of gathering together type feel, but. How is it? How is digital technology discipling us? Yeah. Um, well, I'll start with what may be a controversial claim, but I I think more people will probably agree with it than than would have in the past. And that's um, we sort of have this brain bound concept of spiritual formation. We we think that sanctification equals education, right? And so we're we're constantly educating ourselves. We're learning more information. And we think that, you know, if I just know enough, that will be the spiritual formation that I need. That will produce the sort of Christ-likeness and, and life that God has for me, if I just know enough stuff. Um, and I, I just want to sort of push back against that sort of brain-bound idea and work towards this idea of we are, we're not just brains who are taking in, for, in, in information, but we're we're minds with bodies and that our bodies are integrally uh, connected to what our spiritual formation looks like and you know so a, a simple example would be like uh with with a keyboard when you're writing with a keyboard you're not really thinking about what you're doing you have sort of this precognitive awareness that you, you know you type and type and type and you're not really kind of paying attention and so in some ways you've taken that keyboard and it's become a part of your, your mental framework, your, but it's, but it's through your body, it's through your hands that you've sort of developed this, uh, extension of yourself, the, this extension of your, both your thinking and your speaking. Um, and, you know, in reality, when we think about the ways that we, when we think about a brain bound sort of approach to spiritual formation, you know, I find my mind is wandering all over the place all the time. And I can't really, uh, I can't really like rein it in it. It, when I try and sit down to pray, when I try and sit down to like focus on the word, my brain is going in a thousand directions. Right. And I find that like, I need to engage my body in ways that are encouraging focus and um, helping to sort of center 
myself. So that might be like going for a walk or um, even just like opening my hands. Or, you know, if you're charismatic, you might raise your hands up, uh, you know, in a church service. Um, you know, if you're, if you're Catholic, you might cross yourself, but you're using your body in these ways to sort of center yourself, right. to center your mind, focus your mind. Yeah. And so we're constantly using our bodies in ways to help us help our minds do, do things. And so it's not just this brain bound project where we're just learning information. It's no, our bodies need to be involved. And, you know, the, so then take that and kind of bring that into the technology space. Um, and our bodies are constantly involved in the technologies that we're a part of. Um, so uh, a story that kind of exemplifies this for me is uh, we in the U.S. had a pastor, maybe you guys heard about it a couple months ago, who was suspended from his church for uh, direct messaging with a woman who wasn't his wife. Uh, they were, they were, they became, they started messaging on Instagram and he didn't really think anything of it, uh, until a friend of hers came to him and kind of confronted him about it. He goes to his, you know, church staff or, or, or trusted, um, kind of accountability people and said, Hey, what do you think of this? And they're like, yeah, this is probably an unhealthy relationship that you have here in this Instagram messaging. Um, and so, you know, he's taking time away from that. He's a prominent pastor at a large church, you know, heads up a church planting organization. And so this is a big deal here in the U S I don't know if you guys heard about it, but you know, as I, as I thought about that experience and, um, and thought about, okay, what was his experience like in kind of moving into that space? Right. So he's what's happening in what's happening sort of in both mind and body, but also in sort of his environment uh, and in the community itself. And so that, you, you know, you, you've got your smartphone, it's, it's kind of sitting in the palm of your hand and he's typing things out, but he's never saying them out loud. And mm -hmm. so he doesn't have any, um, he's not hearing himself say these things there and, and they're ha happening in this place that actually excludes the community around him. No one else knows about it. Uh, no one else is seeing it. It's like spending time in a private room with this person and, and no one else is sort of witness to it in a way that they can say, hmm, maybe you should think about that. Right. And so, you know, he's got this sort of everything uh, is kind of telling his body, this is a private space. Um, these things are, are, uh, don't need to be said. They don't need to alert you. And, and even just the size of the phone, like it's the size of your hand, it's this small space. So this idea that like, it's big and significant doesn't really, isn't really conveyed in just the experience of the smartphone itself. Um, and, and then, you know, the smartphone makes it that he's available and she's available to each other constantly, all the time, anywhere, you know, he can be in his office at work, he can be out to lunch, he can be in his bedroom, he can be in his living room, but like, it's all sort of this, this private thing that's happening. Um, and then even just his experience of her, you know, they're, they're texting, he knows who she is, but like all the time, he's not seeing her 
he's not seeing the, the impact of his words are having. He can only imagine her. So that's, you know, that's where his brain comes into this. And he's using it in an imaginative way to perhaps imagine what she's saying to him or he's saying to her. Um, and all of these things are sort of very subtle, uh, enough that he felt like he wasn't even aware that it was an issue for a long time um, until it was brought to his attention in person by someone else who said, hey, you need to think about this. And, you know, uh, props to him for bringing in his community right. and saying like, all right, we need to bring more people around this and have a community of people speaking into it. And suddenly it breaks open the, the smartphone yeah, yeah. and it says, okay, this isn't just our, you know, uh, this private space that's, that's forming and shaping the way that I'm seeing things. It's actually, you know, I want to open this up for a spiritually formative context of this community. Yeah. Um, and, and so, just, and just, uh, yeah. just uh, jump in there as well. Credit to him. What, what, obviously, another scenario here, but um, he did it immediately. Yeah. He, yeah, he got he got he got approached at church. Right. He immediately went to his board of elders, the team. Mm -hmm. In that moment, it wasn't like seven days later. Right. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just driving home, like you know, as far as what I've read from it, it's quite exemplary what's gone on. It's quite a different standard to what we're used to of the other drivel that <laughs> right. we've been reading for for yeah. months and months and months. Like the way he Absolutely. handled this crossover of digital and and stuff is is pretty fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And and so you know, the thing that I want to just sort of highlight is is the way that the Instagram direct messaging smartphone experience is sort of shaping his perceptions of what's happening and subtly um, reframing what is a spiritually formative uh, experience for him. Um, and it wasn't until he sort of broke out of that smartphone box that it could become something that was m more more spiritually formative, more valuable to him, but it came with a lot of pain, a lot of, you know, a sense of shame and embarrassment. Um, and the, the, the smartphone in that case sort of really covered up a lot of that or, or, um, just obscured it in ways. And I think, you know, for the rest of us, uh, we're doing these kind of interactions all the time. And we're having these kinds of experiences and we're not necessarily aware of the way, ways that our technology, and this isn't just a smartphone, it's all sorts of different things. Uh, the way that all these things are kind of working into our minds and hearts through our bodily engagement, but also through the environments that they create, uh, the environment that uh, is around us. Um, and the ways that communities are involved or are not involved. Um, and so, you know, that, that's, that's one example. Um, I think another example is um, even live streaming. You know, we've talked about live streaming church. That was a big part of the pandemic. Um, and we kind of uh, intuitively recognize there's something missing here. Um, but the but again, it's, it's how is this experience of live streaming kind of 
informing our spiritual lives. You know, uh, we're on, if you're in a, if you were in a small church, maybe you were on zoom and you saw other people, but you saw them from like the shoulders up, uh, and you couldn't necessarily read all their body language. And maybe they were in a small box along with a, you know, a, a Brady bunch, you know, array of, uh, of different people. So you couldn't really read the expressions of very many people. You couldn't interact with them one-on-one the way you can in person. Or maybe you're in a large church that had really high production values and you really just kind of sat back and watched and you didn't really even see other people. Um, you were just sort of this passive participant. Um, you know, and then, you know, you're on Zoom or you're, you're maybe texting in a, in a chat window on uh, a church online live stream. And the only, you, you see kind of maybe a picture of yourself. So you're more aware of yourself in that process. Right. Um, or, or you, you know, you write something in the text window and you, you know, you kind of see it work up and you, you're like, mm, should I have said it that way? Mm-hmm. And suddenly you're not, you're not focused on the, you know, the preaching or the yeah, music yeah. Or, or the other things that are going on. You're more focused on yourself and more aware of yourself in that process. Um, and, you know, the, the space itself is, is different for you in your home than it is for me in my home. Uh, and so there's lots of other things that can be going on while you're, you know, in church uh, virtually versus us all being together, seeing the same things that are happening. Um, and so uh, all, all, all of those things, I think, are, they have this sort of spiritually formative impact that's happening kind of prior to our intentions. They're, you know, in the same way that I don't have to think about the keyboard um, when I'm typing, like, I don't, I'm not thinking about my experience on Zoom. I'm not thinking about my uh, experience sort of watching it until it kind of is brought to my attention, but I'm not aware of how it's working its, w- its way back into my own heart and mind um, and becoming a part of my ways of thinking, ways of interacting. Um, and so, yeah, that's sort of the, the, the best you know, way I can unpack that idea of how uh, digital technology specifically is discipling us. And, and I think all technology, even, you know, physical, you know, machines and so forth, cars, et cetera, are all have similar impacts, but we're not aware of how they are. And, and the more we think about our formation in beyond the brain, um, beyond just like um, the idea that we have our mind and our body and our body is somehow, you know, full of passions and desires that are wrong. Um, you know, if we can kind of reframe that and recognize uh, our passions and desires are God given, and there are things that are leading us back to him, who is the fulfillment of all our desires, um, then we can sort start to recognize that uh, our bodies need to be involved in the spiritual formation that's going on, even to just help our minds focus and listen, um, read scripture, pray, listen to the Holy spirit. Um, and you know, we're, we're so, um, pulled in so many directions by all our digital technology, it's become very hard. Um, and I think people intuitively know that, but you know, my, my goal is really to sort of figure out how can we unpack this and sort of look at 
the pieces of it. And for me, that's looking at our bodies. It is looking at our minds, but it's also looking at our, our environment, our built environment, um, and then the community around us and how technology is shaping all of those things to sort of help us to start to get a grasp on the ways that technology is forming us. Because I think then we can look at um, ways that the church can embrace those things. So, 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 so I want to go there. Yeah. Cause like, you know, I'm listening, I'm listening to you unpack this thinking, I never thought, never thought of that. Never, never thought mm -hmm. the subtleties, never thought that I'm aware of it. Right. I'm aware. I'm very yeah. aware. I'm aware that when I wake up on the morning, one of the first things I have to stop doing like a desire is look <laughs> at my phone. Oh man. So and, much. And, and that is like, and, and, and I can convince myself it's fine. Right. Right. Like, that's totally fine. Yeah. I, I have a little routine on the morning where, you know, I get up and I read my Bible, mm -hmm. not every morning, but I try to do it as often <laughs> as possible. You know, I'm not a legalistic Larry on it. I I, I do it as, as much as I can yeah. and as much as I'm enjoying it yeah. and uh, and a bit of discipline thrown into the mix. But, but, you know, that, that temptation, I've never connected that the physical is also within the digital and mm -hmm. what's going on at those points. Mm -hmm. But, but what, what do you do as a church? Because, you know, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, oh, well, we're all doomed. You know, it's the most, <laughs> it's the most, <laughs> so Adam, give us some hope. We're oh, all man. because, because, you know, how are we ever going to compete with this, this subtle interactions or competes the wrong word? How do we embrace it? How do we, how yeah. do we open up our minds to engage with it? Yeah. Thoughts? Well, I mean, I think things like what Glorify is doing, uh, are a good start. You know, our our smartphones are so immersive because they're interactive, right? I can I can spend, you know, an hour uh either scrolling or navigating on my phone and totally tune out what's everything that's around me, right? Mm. But like we we refer to that as distraction, but isn't that just a different form of focus? Like we're we're so focused that we're tuning out everything around us and what if that sort of focus was centered on the holy spirit speaking what if our smartphones were a place where we could encounter uh god's voice hmm. and and in ways that we could you know interact with so to speak um you know, be engaged with in, in that sort of really focused way that we find ourselves uh, focused on our smartphones. Like, are there apps and, uh, and ideas uh, on our smartphones, cr create creative interactions that can help us become more aware of God's spirit? Um, I think, I think there is great opportunity for Christians um, to design some of these things, to think imaginatively about some of these things. You know, one of the practices that I have been mulling over and, and trying a little bit myself is, I guess, what I would call prayer scrolling. Uh, you know, we talk about doom scrolling throughout the pandemic. You just, you know, spend hours right. scrolling through all the bad news. But you know, for me, what if I spent time scrolling Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or whatever it is, Twitter, and asked questions like, you know, 
what do I hear the Holy Spirit saying here? Um, while whilst doing it, whilst doing it, yeah. Okay, so you're not you're not searching. What do I? You're not no, searching no. Prayer. You're scrolling through the soccer results. You're scrolling through whatever yeah. else is on your feed, but saying Holy Spirit speak. Yeah, absolutely. And and for me, you know, what emotions is it bringing up? Like if I'm on Twitter and I feel angry, or I feel afraid, or I feel anxious, um, or I feel sad, like those are emotions. Those are God given emotions responses to these events, what people are saying, you know, whatever it is I'm reading or watching, but having that opportunity for it to become part of a dialogue with the Lord um, in a way that is very personal. And what's been interesting to me is at, in the times that I've done it, I've, I've found a lot of the content it feels less relevant to me. It feels less meaningful. It feels less important um, than it would otherwise. And suddenly I have this larger picture um, that includes God and his spirit um, kind of infringing on this and I, and, and coming to bear on it. And I, I think, okay, yeah, this thing, you know, this bold claim that is going viral, like, so what, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have this great meaning that maybe uh, it would otherwise. Um, And, and, you know, if it can drive me to prayer or it can, you know, just make me aware of the passions and desires God has given me to, you know, advance his kingdom or to, uh, you know, love my family better um, Mm. or, or, it makes me aware of the ways that I'm, you know, desiring things that are disordered. Um, and I'm, you know, idolizing things that I think will bring me peace or joy or excitement. Um, if I can bring God into those things, then he, there's an opportunity there for him to speak. Uh, and I think for me too, it's also, um, made me more aware of just how much I need to be scrolling through scripture, so to speak. Like, I need to be hearing the voice of God speaking through his word um, in order to tune my heart to hear that when I'm scrolling. Yeah, it's a nice, another nice phrasing of it, which is, I think for me, picking up my phone is synonymous with like wrong mm, because yeah. of the world we're in, right? Like you pick up your phone. Yeah. You know, unless you're making an old school phone call, you know, <laughs> everything else, everything else fits into like time wasting wrong um, and yeah. slave to the system because it's some sort of email slack yeah. type of channel stuff, whatever it might be. And so you just like it and you have this like micro moments of just accusations, right, which is mm-hmm. you're involved with. But essentially, mm-hmm. I love what you're saying there, which is, well, hold up, once have you invited, you know, practicing the presence, what have you invited the Holy Spirit into all that right. um, is, is, is a lovely thought. Look, aware of time, I've got lots of questions, but can I just ask you <laughs> another question? With your, yeah. with your head on stuff, mm-hmm. is technology decentralizing the church? Oh, yeah, I've, I've heard this question a little bit. Um... And for anyone listening, whilst you're thinking, to so keep thinking, the decentralization yeah. I'm talking about is, you know, I just spoke with the pastor today. He reckons that now a regular attendee at his church comes one in four. And mm. that's post-pandemic because they've been used to just essentially getting fed online. 
um uh-huh. and then they understand we need to come back in person and so one in four kind of fulfills that kind of like quota right yeah um but is it is it decentralizing because you can just go anywhere you want and get uh you know listen to yeah. this podcast your podcast if you want to be pepped up about <laughs> some sort of church stuff digital stuff jump yeah. online to the world's best communicators and bible scholars it's all accessible right so are we decentralizing the gathered church I want to say yes and no. Um, I think there are ways that it is decentralizing in the sense of what you're saying. Like I can, I can listen to a podcast from my pastor, or I can listen to a podcast from, you know, some famous pastor that I am aware of. And if I don't like what my pastor says, I can go find a pastor who says what I like. And, you know, so there is sort of this uh, um, deconstructing of authority and the role that a local church is playing in sort of my community and my my connections. Um, but the ways that I think it's centralizing, it's not centralizing churches or denominations, it's centralizing platforms like facebook or twitter or instagram or whoever um those are the centers of authority in a lot of ways that's why they're such uh so controversial right now is we see them kind of holding so much power in who gets platformed who gets deplatformed you know um what content goes viral what content gets downgraded um And those are, you know, those are big issues. And so I think there is a sense in which um, the church is sort of losing out uh, its its positional authority to the platforms that it's using to reach people. Um, You know, you know, the these platforms are managing that communication space. And so um, in that sense, you know, you could say, yes, the church is being decentralized because it's, you know, being uh, pushed out of the sort of that, that cent- those centers of power. Um, you know, a- another way that I hear people talk about it is uh, the church is being democratized or, or, or digital is democratizing, you know, all this content. So you have, you know, influencers who are not pastors, not church leaders but they have huge followings and they're talking about their faith or, you know, I mean, that was happening with things like publishing. Uh, you know, you saw all sorts of people who were doing all sorts of ministry inside and outside the church. And, you know, they, they gained a following through, you know, their books and um, writings. And so, you know, we, we definitely see that trajectory prior to uh, digital. Digital has definitely exacerbated it. Um, but yeah, there's new new centers of of, of power and authority, both uh, from people within the church, but also beyond the church. So um, it's a bit of a yes and no, I would say. Uh, it it probably is to the degree, it it probably will be to the degree that uh, church leaders are not, you know, pursuing um, that sort of influence online. Mm-hmm. But I'll say. You know, a lot of the the notion of decentralization is a question of power. Um, 
and it's a question of who has the authority. And I think when I think about what Jesus is doing, he's not working in a, um, he's not measuring himself against a, a question, a standard of power. He's question, he's measuring himself against a standard of love. And I think if the church and church leaders are choosing love over power, they're going to, they're going to do what the kingdom is calling them for, for, um, and they're going to bring the kingdom in the ways that they need to. And so, um, as long as we're sort of measuring ourselves against a, uh, a standard of power, we're going to fail and we're going to, we're, we're going to fail the kingdom, um, whether or not, even if we obtain power, but if we can pursue love, I think, you know, we're going to be better off in wow. the long run. Wow. I mean, Adam, that's, that's, a, that's a really essentially you've just slapped me with that thought is what i like about it. you've just it's been like yeah yeah it's uh, and it's a love it is a lovely it sounds lovely mm. to listen to it and when you describe that it's like you yearn for what you've just described mm. and then you come back down to earth with a bump in your thoughts and think we're so far from this yeah <laughs> but yeah um, and i struggle with it i mean you know you just read you know my bio off my website and like that that is there's, there's power in, in having a website and having a following on Twitter. Like those are things that I am, uh, tempted by, you know? And so it, it is a, you know, it's a constant struggle right. for, for any sort of Christian. I just want to jump in and say a big thank you to the sponsor of this podcast, who is compassion. And I want to quickly read a letter that I received from a child that our family help sponsor every single month and the amazing thing with compassion is letters get written to you from the children that you help each month and this one goes dear mr richard and mrs jules greetings from my family and friends how are you going i'm so happy that this morning i can write to you how's your family we have started school again after easter's holiday i've been promoted to grade six Thank you for the gift you sent to me. We received a cow from the project. My family and I are so grateful to God for you. May God bless you and the work that you hands do. Thank you. Much love, Gladys. These letters and this help that we can provide this family is a real small act but means a huge amount. I'm sure when we sent some money to that family, I know how it works with compassion. The money goes direct to the family. They've received a cow and my family, my three kids, my wife and I are able to know that we're helping someone on the other side of the world. And the way that Compassion do this is so special. I've seen firsthand how it works on the ground in Kenya and they do them all over the world. So I want to encourage you, if you've not engaged in Compassion, maybe there's cynicism involved, maybe you think it's just not for me, maybe you're like, well, I just don't have the money. Can I encourage you just to maybe break out and think about, could you help? Because what it's done for our family is huge and obviously what it's doing for another family is hugely beneficial we get to play a very small part in making sure that a child in another part of the world is able to be fed looked after schooled and loved by a christian community i think that's really special and there's no one better in the world than compassion to do it so go check them out on their website compassion.org.uk and let's jump straight back into the conversation with adam well it leads leads me to my last question which is an awful question but it's one, okay. <laughs> it's one that I think might kick some stuff out. It's, a, it's the last one because I think is that if Jesus was on the planet now, would he have an Instagram channel, TikTok, and a YouTube channel? 
with a Facebook mop, mopping some stuff up? Oh man, that that's a hard question. Um, I think I think Peter would. He'd probably be taking like, <laughs> uh, uh, or you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John would all be doing it. Uh, <laughs> I, but you know, I mean, Jesus didn't write anything himself, as far as we know. He uh, he maybe built some chairs and tables, uh, you know. So he was very much uh, a technologist in his own right. Um, but yeah, you know, he was he was preaching and teaching and letting everyone else kind of um, both record it in in word, but also record it in the transformation of their own lives. And I think he probably would have let uh, his miracles and uh, and teachings do the work of um, the influence he was looking for. So am I saying no? Maybe I am. Yeah, I think you are. Yeah. <laughs> Because it does, it doesn't really fit the Jesus we know to just be doing a selfie or a quick Instagram stories or a, a, yeah. a TikTok yeah, yeah, of yeah, his yeah. morning. Do you know? It just, <laughs> I don't, and I get it. Everyone's got a different version of Jesus. They relate to him in a different way. Yeah. But I, I just can't, I can't see that that version of it. But yeah, and I, and I will say, like you know, Jesus had concentric circles. He had his closest three. You know. James, John, and Peter. Uh, and then he had his 12. And then he had the 72. And then he had the 5,000. And like, he didn't have a personal interaction with all 5,000 people. He had an impact on them. And so there are these notions of scale within Jesus' ministry um, from, from most personal to least personal. Uh, and and that happens online too. So th there is a way ways for thinking about some of that. So we could probably conclude it. He'd have a WhatsApp group for his disciples is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where he could be like, boys, where are you? Like we said we were turning up. None yeah, yeah, yeah. Here. <laughs> Please. Absolutely. Quick. Yes. And it probably helped. It would have helped him out a little bit, maybe. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right, right. But maybe the public, like, look at me stuff might not have just, might might not have been on there. Yeah. I mean, Adam, I would love to talk more on this front. And, and I think it's yeah. fascinating. I was saying to the, I was saying to the other day to a friend of mine that I was chatting to, he said, oh, he said, oh, you can have a great chat. I was like, I have this theory though. I have a theory that my kids are going to grow up and mm. it's a, it's an unfounded theory because my kids are the, my, the eldest is eight. Okay. That When they grow up, they're going to look back and go, you had mobile phones in the house. Like, oh interesting you, like like they were cigarettes like yeah like what why would you even do that like mm. you gave them to people who were under whatever age they end up <laughs> you know what i mean i can't you know and that kind of like mm. that that idea that they'd understand the power and they'd understand that that that, that it just didn't produce and this great experiment that we're in yeah. just didn't produce and all the stats and all the stuff that goes with mental health, which we know is deeply linked to a lot of the digital stuff that we're involved in. Yeah, And so I don't know, I just, I have this purest thought that maybe that's how the next generation to grow up, which is like, how, like we not only, we, we know how to use it, but we understand it's a weapon and weapons mm -hmm. are dangerous. Mm -hmm. Whereas at the moment we're treating them like duvets, pillows, and <laughs> you know what I mean? We are so cuddled up to them. It's, it's unreal. And so, Maybe it's a fantasy kind of like that would be amazing if that came about of, uh, you know, like the next generation way down the line is going to come through and 
because you look at like the Roman Empire, it never it never kept going, you know, like they thought it mm, would in this kind right. of like, you know, they were on the brink of all sorts of amazing, you know, yeah. the way they built stuff and the way that they conquered yeah. things. And it was like, why would life ever go back from that? And it was like, because people realized yeah. it wasn't sustainable and it clapped and it kind of like imploded on itself. Yeah. And you look yeah. and you think, I think what we see is a lot of imploding on itself <laughs> and, 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 you know, I don't think we're going to go back to like try striking two sticks together to try create sparks type level. But yeah. I think I, my hope would be that there would be a generations that come through that are like, we've learned. And it's not even a Christian thing. It's just a life thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's not Christian mm-hmm. saying smoking's bad and everyone else is going, yeah, no, it's yeah. not. It's, yeah. it's everyone going, we've learned. Yeah. I think my hope is they look back and think, what was, what were you guys panicking, panicking about? We, we figured out how to manage this much better. We have, you know, limits or restrictions that we've created that make this a much healthier relationship. You guys were out of whack. Um, we've integrated it much better. Uh, yeah, I, I do think, you know, it can be a weapon. I think it can also be a tool. Um, and, I've really struggled with the sort of ambivalence that technology has in terms of just, um, you can use it for good. You can use it for evil. And like, why is that? And part of me thinks that it's because God has given us free will. Um, and he's, he's given us the opportunity to use these tools for, for good, for evil, to glorify him or not. And, uh, and he's given us that choice and that is a great freedom, but it is a great responsibility and we kind of have to figure it out. And my hope is, uh, that your eight year old will, um, have a better handle on it than either of us do. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to subscribe to a a Netflix DVD service. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I totally recommend that. (laughs) Adam, you've been so, so good. Thank you so much. How can people get more from you? How can they find out more about you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can definitely listen to our podcast, Device and Virtue. Um, I'm continuing to do some writing for faithtech, uh, faithtech.com. Um, you can check out my website. There's not a lot to update there, but adamgraver.com. Yeah. Adam, bless you, mate, and keep doing the great work that you're doing. Cool. Thanks, Rich. Fascinating there from Adam, and I hope you enjoyed it. It's a bit different to what I usually do. But I love Adam's take on stuff, and he writes so eloquently as well. He's a depth and wealth of knowledge that if that kind of lit you up, go check his stuff out. And a massive thank you for jumping in on here. I love doing these podcasts. So you can sign, find more at richmartin.co.uk or just DM me. All right, have a great, great rest of your week. <laughs>